take a moment to peek into the lives of inspirational people living the true definition of happiness with author, presenter, personal stylist and coach Moana Robinson who chats to people who have overcome challenges to live their best life. Moana is a passion and purpose coach and a personal stylist who empowers others to discover their best life and style regardless of age. Here is Moana. Moana Robinson here from Be Style for Life and I'm very excited to welcome Angelica Allen to take a moment. Thank you so much for taking a moment with me, Angelica. Hi, Moana. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and I'm really excited about our chat. We haven't seen each other for quite a well, probably a few months now because we met at Edward Zia's meetup in Brisbane. I know, I know. And it was so lovely to meet you. And then we caught up again when you came to my live show, which was beautiful. And it was very, very insightful. Um, but we haven't actually seen each other, right? Meeting up online is almost the same. I think everybody's got used to that now, haven't they? Exactly. I know, I know. It's really great to connect online. Yeah. When I met you, I was very inspired by your story and how you've come through the challenges that you came through and what you're doing now as a health coach. Um, and I'll put the, all your details down below when I put the recording up. But I might just ask if you could tell me how your story started from your first diagnosis or um, anything that you'd like to share with us about your challenges and how you've come out the other side. Awesome. So I was diagnosed with stage three bowel cancer in 2018, and I was only 38 years old. And it came as a shock to me, to my family, to the doctors, to everybody around us. And for me, it was very much like that moment of realization of, wait a second, you know, this can't be bad luck. You know, I was told it wasn't genetic. There was no family history. It needs to be more than that. And, you know, all of a sudden I had this realization that everything that I had done from, you know, to that point, it didn't serve me. And it was almost like I felt I needed to learn how to walk again, how to talk again, how to, to really be myself again. So it was a, a journey of recovering not only physically but also mentally and emotionally and what I decided to do when I got off the shock of you know the first initial two weeks of you know being diagnosed with cancer was you know I'm ready to really conquer this in a way that I'm going to rebuild something more beautiful than ever physically mentally and emotionally and which is you know what do you on your TED talk uh, mm -hmm. we talk about uh, you talk about um, you know the the Japanese uh, I, I forgot the name now the Kintsugi yes and for me I felt I was exactly that you know like I was a broken and I needed to glue myself back together and I was able to do that I'm very proud to say now in in a much more uh beautiful way you know physically I came out of chemotherapy after 12 sessions feeling stronger than I had ever been mentally and emotion it was all to do with my habits I started changing my habits daily and it started compounding into this massive result. My kids were six and four at the time of my diagnosis, which was very scary. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to say that, you know, if people are in that kind of uh, crossroad in their health, you know, and they 
they almost like feel like they can't change for themselves, which was exactly what I was. Because, you know, at that time, I didn't love myself enough. I, I wasn't connected to myself. I wasn't connected to my body. And I wasn't really connected to, to my soul. And, and for me to go from that place to start changing my habits, which is very, very challenging, um, for, for me, it was very difficult. So I did it firstly for my kids. And I would, you know, like get up every day when I was sick as, you know, feeling really unwell during chemo and start changing slowly for them until I could do for myself. And I think, you know, kids are our best teachers, our best wives for everything. And it was um, definitely they um, motivated me to start me on that journey. Mm. I think what, what you're so is so true. If you're doing it for someone else, for some reason, it's that gives you more drive sometimes initially when you're going through that tough time than doing it for yourself. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you're coming from that place where, you know, I believe that when you have a physical disease in your body, you know, it has come from the mental and the emotion and it's been kind of brewing for a long time in a different planes and it just has manifested into your physical level. So, you know, it has done that because you haven't loved yourself. You haven't looked after yourself. You haven't given yourself any self-compassion. You have practiced habits that haven't served you. So changing from that place, it is quite challenging. And if you can do that initially for somebody, else that can be a massive driver what sort of led you to believe that you may not be very well what were some of the symptoms that you had um physically I was exhausted like that there was like a but when I talk about exhaustion, it's like beyond exhaustion, you know, like I would just pass out on a Saturday afternoon watching a video with my kids um, and almost like go to another world. And when I would wake up and I'll be like, oh, my God, where am, where am I? And I think there is, again, there's so many people living like that and thinking it's normal. And that's not normal. Like, you know, exhaustion, living in constant exhaustion is not normal. And I just normalized that because I just wanted to push through it. Um, you know, I wasn't going to go to the doctor to say, hey, I'm a mom, am I exhausted, you know, and I work full time and all that, you know, like who does that, you know, just weak people. I didn't want to be that person. <laughs> so, you know, and you just keep pushing through. Um, and then it wasn't really until like six months before my diagnosis that I started feeling some kind of uh, bowel movement changes, um, mm -hmm. which was very unlikely for me. Um, but nothing like major. And then it wasn't until three months before my diagnosis that I had some bleeding. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when I got to the hospital um, and I had an emergency surgery because I didn't feel well, I felt nauseous. That was all I felt. My blood work was perfect. Oh. There was no uh, tumor markers elevated. There was no elevation on my white cells. There was nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, you know, when you talk about symptoms, there was a time like that I felt there was something that I said to my husband that I'll never forget. I had a situation at work and I have always had a really, a really uh, good gut feeling. Yep. And because my, my, you know, cancer was in the gut, um, I used to work in recruitment and um, this candidate did something that I never expected him to do. And I would see things like this coming through. And I said to my husband, I'm losing my intuition. This is really odd. Like I never, ever um, misjudge somebody like this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's really fascinating to see like how, you know, 
our physical, you know, disease affects how we, you know, mentally and emotionally. But I wasn't really feeling anything like crazy. That was it. Exhaustion. You know, the bowel movement starts changing. And, you know, mentally, you know, I kind of felt like out of whack, you know, like I just didn't feel like myself. But I had been disconnected from myself for so long that, again, it's so easy to normalize that. You how important it is to stay connected with yourself. And I just find that fascinating that you lost those gut feelings. You lost that intuition because I'm an embit coach. I've studied embraining, which is all about the head, heart and gut. And right? Uh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's fascinating that you lost your, because you weren't well in your gut, you actually yeah. lost that sense of intuition and that those gut feelings. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. So if it wasn't, and it wasn't showing up in the blood work, so then they did more tests and they decided. They did a CT scan. Yeah. And they were reluctantly to do the CT scan because my blood work, you know, and I looked like this, they were like, you know, you will look well, like there was nothing wrong with you. Right. And after an hour of just, you know, asking me questions and inquiry, and I said, okay, I'll put you through the CT. And then during the, after the CT, the doctor looked at me and said, oh my God, I'm surprised you're still standing. And one side of my bowel was backed up by poo. And the other side, which is closer to the rectum, which where the cancer was, the bowel had gone inside itself. And even so, at that time, they said, you know, this could be a polyp. You know, we're not sure, you know, like they couldn't really see anything. Mm. But because I felt nauseous and I didn't feel like eating, Mm. you know, they even said to me, do you want to go home? Oh, really? Yeah, because I mean, there, there was, I mean, look, cancer is very hard to detect. You know, I have worked with many clients that have had different types of cancers. It's very, very difficult to detect. I really think that the reason why is because cancer is a disease of the soul. It's not a disease of the physical body alone. And, you know, they were just looking at at, at the proof that was in front of them. Okay, well, we can't really see anything. And in the bowel, because it's it's a tube, you have to go inside. Yeah. You know, so th- what, what you're looking at is what's happening outside of it. The blood work is fine. I mean, she's not presenting with any fever, anything, you know, crazy. And, okay, maybe if we take this poo out, give her something to, you know, pass this poo, maybe she'll feel better. Maybe that's why she's nauseous. I really think they were just doing the best they could, you know. But because I kept feeling nauseous, they and, they, and I was taking anti-nausea tablets because that's what they were giving me. Yeah. And they start after two days, three days, they're like, I think we need to start thinking that this is a bit more serious than we think. Um, and I think we need to start thinking that this might be cancer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then you went back in again. I uh, know I stayed the day I went into hospital. I went on a Friday, which was an Easter Friday. Yeah. And on the Sunday, they start saying, like, I think this is cancer. Um, and do we think that um, there is a consultant that's coming tomorrow to operate you? It's an and because I had all this poo backed up on one side, it oh. wasn't safe to to uh, let this pass normally because the cancer was right at the yeah at, at the sigmoid area um yeah. and this was a very dangerous surgery because of all the poo the poo went everywhere i could die so i was very very blessed uh this consult- consultant looked at my paperwork from home and he was at a whole different level than everybody else and he said this is definitely cancer and i can operate her hopefully laparoscopically 
and mm-hmm. I can remove the, the, the tumor and then rejoin the bowel. And then she can afterwards, you know, deal with the poo herself. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what happened. So it was a very um, dangerous surgery. It was very uh, touch and go. Mm-hmm. It was a long surgery, uh, but I was very blessed. Um, you know, he was able to do laparoscopy. So I went home and my recovery wasn't, um, you know, so, so bad because it was only, uh, you know, little keyhole um in my in my in my tummy and in a month later I needed to start 12 sessions of chemo mm. and how long did you have the chemo for so I had some delays so normally they tell you like have it every two weeks mm-hmm. uh, because they want to make sure that you know they give you as much chemo as I can in a short period of time but your body can't take it yeah. I'm yet to meet somebody who can like have it you know like the the protocol every two weeks so I had many I had quite a few delays especially at the beginning when I wasn't very strong so it ended up being about seven and a half months so what was what was the biggest difference that you have felt like changing yourself since going through all that and going through the recovery stage what's been the biggest change that you've felt so I changed everything and I changed it during chemo. And I think that was that was the absolutely key thing. Um, you know, I changed my diet. I started exercising, meditation. I did a load of work on the emotional healing that I needed to do. And I had been holding on to a lot of anger and resentment, uh, which, you know, like if you think about it, when you're holding on, you hold on to your shit. So that's where exactly what I had my problem. So I yes. needed to let go of all of that. Uh, so I did a lot of uh, inner work and I was, um, to be honest, like a lot of people text me and say, Angelica, no, well, how did you change your diet and what did you do? Mm-hmm. It's not a one, it's not a one thing. You know, I was a very, very sick, you know, it was a stage three B had spread to the lymph nodes. Um, I was very young. I mean, I needed a, I needed to change drastically. I couldn't just turn up to chemo, you know, mm-hmm. and I kind of realized that myself and all the research and everything that I changed I did it on my own because you know the doctors were doing the best they could in one side but I needed to make those changes daily so the reason really I don't think that just by changing the diet or just by exercising or just by meditating or just by doing the inner work you know the the emotional and mental work um I had a massive um issue with stress you know I was addicted to stress that I needed to rewire my brain around that you know I needed to really change the whole thing so I really believe when you are diagnosed with something as serious as cancer you know and there is plenty of other diseases out there that you know it's it's kind of the same um, you know kind of complexity as it I think you need to change everything everything yeah and you probably there's probably no bigger warning sign than something going wrong with your body and and it's really all about listening to your body isn't it yeah, yeah. I mean if you are diagnosed with something like cancer and you think that you could don't play a part on it mm-hmm. I mean I don't know what else you know it's going to have to happen for you to understand that you need to take responsibility and for me it was very much that change and I think you you, you know you talk a lot about that on your books as well going from that victim mentality mentality to like, okay, well, I am the response, the the person here who is responsible for my life. Mm -hmm. We all have things that happen in our lives that are far from ideal, right? We all have it. 
But all the time that we keep saying to ourselves, oh, you know, why do I have to go through this? Oh, my God, the poor me. And, you know, oh, but if only, you know, this was solved and that was solved. If I only didn't have this and I didn't have that. You know, all of that kind of noise, I stopped that. And I thought in every situation, I would just look at it and think, what what is it that I need to learn from here? What do I need to to get, you know, grow from this? You know, what is the message that this situation, this person is sending to me? You know, and I just kept doing that over and over again. You know, during chemo, that was challenging. You know, you have delays, you end up in hospital almost dying. I mean, there was many issues. But that victim mentality that I had led me to cancer. Mm. If I kept that going, yeah, where would have, you know, where would I have ended up? So I think that's that was maybe that was the one thing that I changed. <laughs> Well, that's, you know, and that one thing is a big thing. And what has happened from it is that you now help other people who are going through something similar. Yeah. Can you yeah. tell me a little bit about your business and what you do? So I am a health and life coach and I help people to change their habits. I think we are just literally a set of habits. Everything that we do defaults into our habits. And for me, I got so much success out of changing my physical, mental and emotional habits that I started, I decided to start helping people because I feel that there is so much suffering in the world you know like I I felt you know that suffering that feeling of being feeling powerless um you know feeling that you know you you don't have a a choice you know in life that you don't have the control of your life that was me before cancer but I didn't see any of that Mm. and I really you know the work that I do and what inspired me to do this that I would love people not to get where I have been you know, you don't have to wait for the crisis. You don't have to wait for the sickness. You don't have to wait for the daring diagnosis to change your life. There are signs in your body, in your mind, you know, that uh, it keep coming up. Listen to those signs and take action and think, you know, this is not normal. I'm getting headaches all the time. I'm getting coughs and colds all the time. You know, like I'm feeling more and more tearful. I'm feeling more and more unhappy. You know, all of those little things that we just keep suppressing and ignoring and pushing through it. There is so much we can do by changing our habits. Mm. It really, it is all about not ignoring your physical signs, the emotional signs and taking notice. I always say this, that it's really about taking notice and learning more about yourself because that makes you more powerful and have more control over your life and when it's you when you don't have feel as though you don't have control that's when people start to suffer yeah yeah mentality yeah and I think you're so right like when we talk about that you know from a place of having set with ourselves and set with our pain and from a place that we understand what self-love is and self-compassion is um, I see that, again, a lot of people, they are so disconnected from themselves because they are trying to numb their pain. They're yeah. trying to run away from themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to sit in meditation to the chemo and think like, oh, my God, like my thoughts are insane. Like, how is that even possible that I have led my life thinking like that? Mm-hmm. You know, and 
it's so much easier to run away from it, right? Like, why, why? I don't want to sit with this. This is just like, I don't want to sit with my pain. I don't want to sit with my thoughts. I don't want to sit with, you know, go back to my past, you know, go back. It's so much easier to, you know, just run away and keep doing things to make us forget about it, like alcohol, drugs, food addictions, you know, like all sorts of different things, right? Rather than simply sit with yourself. Mm. So do you think that um, if you led a fairly busy life before that, it sounds strange, but that time when you had to sit there having chemotherapy, that that gave you some time to sit. So in a way that was, that was a blessing, not blessing, but yeah. Yeah. So I do believe in God and, um, and, you know, like when I look back and I read so much about nutrition and health and, and natural health, a lot of people ask me, would you have chemo again? Mm-hmm. You know, chemo has given me that, that time. And yeah. chemo has, has made me crawl instead of walk. Yeah. It had really made me, um, cancer had me on my knees. Yeah. And, you know, some days I would, I didn't know if I was going to make through the night. And there were so many lessons in that. There were so many beautiful lessons in that. And I really hold that time that I spent during chemo very close to my heart. Because that was the time that I walked back to myself. That was the time that I found self-love and I found self-compassion. And if I hadn't had that, let's say if I had had like stage one or stage two surgery back to normal world. I would have done the same. I would have gone back to being the same person. True. Yeah. You know, so like crazy, you- busy, obnoxious, stubborn. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Like I've often wondered sometimes if I go on a long flight, that is when I do a lot of thinking and a lot of aha moments. And sometimes I get quite emotional. And I think it's because you're sort of, forced to be in that one spot you're sort of captive there and it makes you sit with yourself and listen to yourself yeah and you know at the beginning of my treatment um my doctor said to me like I I don't want you to go anywhere that is busy lots of people you can't go to school anymore to see your kids you can't go to shopping centers can't go to supermarket so really I self-isolate myself at home uh before covid there was and for somebody who loves being around people, I was really scared. I was like, oh, my God, what will I do all day by myself? By the end of the chemo, you know, my husband laughs because I say, like, oh, my God, I just love spending time with myself. And he said, yeah, you're almost like too much. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Because I would just love spending all that time because the kids would go to school. He would go to work. And I had all that time for me. For once, after like 38 years, you know, no more racing around, no one, it was just me, myself and I, you know, healing and spending time together. It was a beautiful time. Wow. That's, and that's another gift for you, isn't it? It make you love yourself more and love your body more. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. I mean, I was in awe by what my body did for me, like in absolutely awe. Like I was just like, oh my God, every chemo session how do you come back from that? Like, this is incredible. I think what people don't realize is that, you know, we abuse our bodies for most of our lives. You know, we think like, oh, the body can take it, you know. And then when you get in your 30s, you're like, oh, maybe I'm getting old. Well, not really. It's just because you haven't done anything 
for your physical health. You know, and you get in your 40s, you know, a lot of people are, have a chronic disease these days, right? So it, it is about it just giving it every day a little bit to your body. The, the body will give you tenfold back guaranteed. You don't have to just do everything perfect, but just a little bit that you give you're going to receive so much back. I believe that everything happens for a reason. Um, I used to love uh, my job. Um, and I actually went back after my cancer treatment, but I just didn't find uh, myself there again. And I really felt this calling to help people. But it was almost like from helping people just with their jobs, you know, to help people with their health and life. Um, so it's still, you know, very much a people person kind of uh, job centered. Um, and I would end up, you know, when you're working recruitment, you end up talking about, you know, their cats and dogs and wives and husbands and, you know, why they're unhappy and what could they do about it. Uh, so it was a was a great transition, really. That's fantastic. So you've given you're giving people the gift of themselves before it was giving them a job, helping them find a job. And it must be so rewarding. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Angelica. I really appreciated you. Oh, thank you so much, Moana. Thank you for listening to Take a Moment with Moana Robinson. Remember to visit her website, bestyleforlife.com.au and book a time for a further conversation. <laughs>